We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right. Well, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, welcome everybody to Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. Ready for this, Anth? Episode 699. Talking hell, Buffalo, man. That's a hell of an accomplishment, man. Sure. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. And you've been a big part of it over this past year. For everybody out there who's listening on the audio side, they're like, the hell are you talking about? If you're not watching this on video, join, but as usual, for this Thursday episode by my buddy Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. I want to thank everybody out there, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, whether you're watching this on the YouTube video side, appreciate y'all very much. Like I said, I'm joined with my buddy Anthony. Um, don't live in Buffalo. I don't know how it is where you're at, but after a incredibly mild, to be honest with you, December here in Buffalo, barely any snow i think it was only like maybe one legitimate snowfall for the entire month a a non-white christmas we are as it was we taped this anyway i think three days now in the january and that is changing quick in buffalo it is snowing right now uh the video side i'm just throwing a quick little picture up can't lie i hate snow i hate the winter but it is pretty when it snows the right way and it's uh it's starting to hit here in buffalo man how you doing? And what's the weather like where you're at? So all good here. I'm in Albany. It is cold. We might have something moving through on yeah. Sunday. They're saying it's a little too soon to to tell. Like at first they were saying maybe eight inches of snow. Now they're saying maybe like two and a half. So, you know, it's kind of that that in between where where you go with things. But how much are you guys expected to get out there? I, I didn't expect anything. <laughs> I woke up this morning, like 730 this morning. Um, looked outside. I was like, shit, shit, not a big fan of it. But like I said, when it snows the right way and it's not windy out and it's not hazardous driving it yeah. actually scenery wise can look amazing. Like it looks like a movie outside right now. It is actually beautiful. Can't even lie. Um, we're going to talk, obviously bills, Miami, it all comes down to this literally, um, we're going to dive into that, do our, our weekly predictions, have some fun 
with it. Want to let everybody know too, like I said, this is episode 699 here of Talking Buffalo tomorrow. Well, I guess it depends when you're watching or listening to this. Thursday night, live uh, from Imperial, episode 700, Talking Buffalo. I'm going to have my buddy Matt Perino, Buffalo Bills beat reporter. He'll be joining me live from uh, Imperial. Like I said, we're doing that Thursday night live at 730. The video side, you can catch it live. Uh, you could actually come into Imperial, come hang out with us. Or, of course, on the audio side, it'll drop um, Friday morning. I'm a big, uh, I'm not just saying this because he's coming on the show. And I'm sure you, you respect his work, too. I love Matt, man. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Matt Perino guy. I, I love the work that he's done at New York up because you know what? Matt Fairburn did a really good job there. And he kind of put Syracuse.com on the map when it comes to okay. Bill's coverage. And then when he left pretty tall task, you know, Matt comes from Vegas from the UFC world here in 2018. And he's tasked with covering the bills, taking over for Matt and to, to, to Matt's credit. I, I, he's done an outstanding job, not just covering the team, but adding, you know, that other element to it, that next level, the podcast, Shout Buffalo Football Podcast that him and not Ryan Talbot, he brought Ryan came into, and they've just done a really great job of not just covering the team with words, you know, with print, but also, like I said, with the podcast, with videos and stuff like that. He's done a really good job here, and he's been here for close to six years now. Yeah, I mean, there has been a real evolution in how teams have been covered over these sure. past even – four or five years, right? Kind of adding this podcasting element, adding the video element to it. And Matt just brings uh, a level of, I'll call it like constructive positivity, right? Like he's sure. always got a, a great way about him. He brings a great energy. He's not afraid to, you know, give some critical feedback right. related to the team and what's, and that's important. what's taking place. But, uh, you know, and aside from just how he covers the team, he's just a great guy, right? He's, like he's someone that, you know, will come on any show that he can help anybody out that he can. I was driving through Buffalo last year. He and I got together for lunch and got to spend some time and, you know, talk about family and all this type of stuff and the yeah. team. And he's, he's really as good as they come. And Ryan Talbot is as well, which makes sure. them just a, a great, great combination. Yeah. I looked it up. I've had Matt on the show 12 times, not even counting the show. He'll be on with me. Uh, tomorrow, going all the way back to to July of 2018, when he quite literally got thrown into the fire. I mean, he got hired, and it was pretty much right off the training camp to cover the team uh, back in 2018. They went, so I went, I should say, last Saturday night to to Wingnuts. The new they got a new location uh, off Millersport, right near uh, well in Amherst, near UB. I think it's the old Santors. Anyway, I went there. I've never been there before. Not since, I mean, it's brand new for wing nuts. Anyway, Matt and Ryan did one of their uh, live shows. And by the way, I got to give them a lot of credit too. I mean, what a freaking turnout they had for that show. I mean, there were yeah. dozens and dozens of Bills fans. And they do a really good job of interacting with them and getting them on the show. There were some kids there, a couple Patriots fans. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a good experience. And a little bit jealous, too, of, of what he does. You know what? And I, and I know you know this, Anthony. We all, I think, in the podcasting community, whether it's audio stuff, whether it's on the video side, we all kind of, I don't want to say necessarily steal from each other, but we all are influenced in some ways by some something that somebody does well. You're like, oh, you know what? That's really good. I need to do something like that. I've been doing the live shows now for, for a long time, not just way before Imperial. You know, I had Marino on with me. We went. 
we did a show at Autobahn North like in 2019. So I've been doing this for a long time. And I have guests come on and people come to Imperial wherever and they hang out, we talk, and then we do the show. But once the show starts, nobody can really hear because I don't have an yeah. audio component that blasts out to the place where we're at. So the only way you're going to follow along live is if like maybe you pull up your phone, you go live on on YouTube, or if you stand close enough to the table, which some people do where they could hear us actually have our conversation. But what Matt and Ryan doing, and it's sound, I got to admit, man, it sounded really good is they do a live and they put it out through a loudspeaker and it sounded nice and clear. So no matter where you are in that bar or that restaurant, you could hear the show, which yeah. I think is really cool, man. So that's like, can be some, I'm a, let Matt know to his face. That's something I might steal from him. So in the future, if you see some Talking Buffalo episodes where you come to Imperial Pizza or wherever and uh, you you can actually hear it there, that's because of Matt and Ryan. So that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, help Buffalo Rumblers people, by the way. Should I call them Rumblers? I spent some time with over the weekend. Uh, met up with Sarah Larson at Wing Nuts. Hung out with her for a little bit. And then we went to 9-11 Tavern. And my man Joe Miller was waiting there uh, for me. And uh, not for me, but he was there to, yeah. to, to hang out with a bunch of people. Jerry Ostrowski, never met him before, actually. He showed up with uh, his sons. I think he's got three kids. And one of them, Jesus Christ, big ass kid, man. You can see where, where it comes from. But the first time I had an in-person conversation with Jerry, and I'll tell you what, he is a super chill dude, man. Really, really cool guy, man. Yeah, Jerry, great addition to Buffalo Rumblings when he and Sarah started their show last year. And again, it's that piece, right? Like almost as as fans, you're just like, oh man, Jerry Ostrowski going to do a show with us. And right before that, you know, John Fina, and obviously he does a great job with Joe sure. every week. And, you know, there's these former players and I don't know, you expect them maybe to have this air about them or something like that. They are as down to earth. And this is just even in our kind of like group chat that we have and different pieces going on. Or when we did fantasy football league last year, like, they're just two regular guys and not that you should expect anything else, but they just really are that down to earth. And I'm glad you got to spend some time. With, with you know, Jerry. having a, uh, not a long conversation, but having a conversation with Jerry and especially with John Fina, I've gotten to know John pretty damn well yeah. over these last handful of years. What I like most about them, besides the fact that they're former players and longtime players too. I mean, they're not some, you know, backups that played a year and a half and had a cup of coffee in the NFL. These are guys that were with the team for a long time. They know the league. They were in the league for a long time. But when you're around them, they don't have that presence like you talked about that, you know, I'm better than you type of what are you talking about type of type of deal. Like, first of all, they act like they're part of Bill's Mafia. They're fans yeah. of the team, obviously, as well. But when they do the shows on rumblings or just even when they talk to Bill's fans, I'm thinking in my mind, Cause I've heard a couple conversations like off, off the air and stuff like with John, some people that point out some shit, like some film people or just some people that are completely wrong. And I'll always take the word of a guy who played in the NFL for nine, 10 years with, with, with the Buffalo bills. Either of those guys, Jerry was here for eight years. I think John was here for, for eight or nine years. Some are actually a decade, something like that. These guys know what they're talking about at the end of the day. Like yeah. when they're telling you something, they're telling you from a place that they did it. But they don't throw that in your face. You know what I'm saying? That's I guess that's yeah. what I'm trying to get in. That's what I really like about Jerry and John. Well, and it's great that they're getting the perspective from offensive linemen, right? I mean, we can watch the game. You say it all the time. Anyone sure. that's ever heard me, like, I, I'm not an X's and O's guys. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a football fan, and I'm not going to pretend to 
to know any technical pieces that are taking place. But when you're hearing, like you said, guys that were offensive linemen that had the careers that they did and be able to talk about the game, that was the thing that drew me to the FINA show right away when he joined too, because it was just like he can give a perspective that you don't really get from from anyone else, right? And you can think of different pieces. And I mean, we know, you know, Ruben Brown has done stuff in the, the media in years past, but like John sitting there interacting, you know, with Joe, co-hosting the show, talking with fans, answering questions. And as you said, having a way of communicating it that it's not like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Like it's a it's a respectable John's sure. got like a respectable bluntness to him, which oh, you just <laughs> you you just love. Yeah. You really do. So. Yeah, for sure, man. And like I said, good guys. It was it was good to meet uh, with Jerry. One last thing, then we'll dive into some uh, Bills Miami's talk here. Got to ask you this: Are you a a New Year's resolution type guy? I am not, and I um, think maybe you know maybe earlier in life it used to be one of those things like, oh, what are you going to set out and try and do and you know, usually with that, it would end up being something like, you know, for most people like, oh, I need to lose this amount of weight. And it just, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, but you learn as you get older, like that's, that's kind of a, not the best way to keep score, right? Because right. you can do things with that. And it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you're getting healthier or developing some habits. So usually it'll be something where it's just like, okay, what is something that I want to, you know, maybe, maybe accomplish? So even for myself, not that it's like a, a resolution, but been talking about it, it's like, I'd like to start golfing a little bit more, right? Like yeah. earlier in life, I used to play more where I could actually have fun with it. You, you have kids, it becomes a lot more difficult to do that, where it's just like, hey, it's a good exercise, something I can do with, you know, my family, with my friends, it was a par three course, a couple miles away from the house. That it, you know, I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm just talking about you know, yeah, getting yeah, out yeah. for you know an hour and a half and playing nine holes and just kind of you know doing something, doing something good. So it's not really like a New Year's resolution, but it's more just something like, oh, this is what I'm going to do this year that that maybe I hadn't done as much in the past. So. You're uh, you're a couple years away if you become magically great at golf from being on the senior tour. <laughs> I got a, still got a couple of years before you got to wait. I could be on it tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> any anyway. of my buddies, anyone that's ever golfed with me before, no, that is not something that uh, no one on the senior <laughs> tour will have to worry about anything. <laughs> By the way, um, you can't tell yet, but I, I, I think I told you about this. I, I know I've talked about it on the show. I had that bet with my son and I lost. So like for the next five weeks, I cannot shave. Can't really tell yet. I mean, there's... No, no difference, at least on camera, yeah. But trust me, by this time next week when I when I talk to you, I'm gonna look look ridiculous. Uh, some people are just meant to have a beard, and some people aren't. You know, some people can rock it like Matt Marino can rock the beard, man. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. It looks horrible, patchy. I cannot grow a beard. I don't know if you could if you tried. I don't know if you have tried. I can't. Like I have to have a clean shaved face that's my luck. But anyway, I lost a, a weight loss bet with my son. So I cannot shave for five weeks. And this is only day two and a half, day three. Going to look pretty uh, pretty ridiculous in a matter of uh, of days. But I'm going to honor it. I thought about welching. I thought about trying to bribe my way out of it. But I kind of feel like, you know, it's my kid. I, I, I kind of want to teach my son that you got to own your shit, you know, when you lose instead of, instead of welching out. Because if this was you, I probably would have welched out of it, but but it's it's my son, so I got to honor it. 
You know what? It was a few years ago. Uh, a number of us did No Shave November to to benefit the American Cancer Society, mm -hmm. and as we got through it, um, the the first couple of weeks, it was it was patchy, it was rough, right? And you're itchy and all this. But then as it started to come in, like you know, my wife especially, she was like, "Oh, I really like it." You know, I mean, like for for guys like us, there's not much anything different you're really doing with your your appearance right, right? like sure. you know, your haircut it's like you go to the barber and it's like yeah give me uh you call it, give me boy regular you know what i mean Just <laughs> that's, that's this is it so you know it gives you a different look and who knows maybe it's something you'll like yeah who knows maybe a couple of weeks from now i'll just i'll want to keep it going but anyway we'll see all right bills miami well let's start with the bills because to me besides the game itself obviously the big story from sunday for me was vaughn miller and the, the Bills cut, or not cut him, I'm sorry. They, they made him a healthy and active first time in his career. I feel like this was long overdue. We, we've hinted at it a few times. We've talked about it a little bit. 11 games, no sacks, two tackles on the season. He had a small handful of moments maybe where it looked like, you know, he was making a play or turning the corner or something. And, but just doesn't have it. And I, we don't know why maybe he's just not all the way back. Maybe he's making a business decision that he's not willing to put himself in potential harm's way. If, you know, having more bend or playing absolutely balls to the wall, reckless or whatever it may take for him to be effective. He's just not willing to do that at this point, or maybe he can't, I don't know, but one way, any way you look at it, it just wasn't effective at all. And it got to a point. I felt like Anytime he's out there with a rep, that's a rep that A.J. Epinesa or Shaq Lawson or even Kingsley Jonathan are not getting where they have more of a potential to make a play. Were you surprised when you woke up on Sunday or whether you're up already, but when the inactives came out and you saw that he was among them? And also, as we record this, which I always have to say this because things could change. We record Anthony and I on Wednesday mornings. This drops on Thursday they practice on Wednesday. Who knows what we'll find out on Wednesday. But as things stand right now, as we record this, do you feel that might have been a one-week kick-in-the-ass maybe moment from Sean McDermott that this is not good enough? Or is it at a point now where do you think, barring injuries, uh, his season's over with the Bills? So to your first question, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised because mm -hmm. for the amount that he has been playing and the lack of production, you always feel like, gosh, it just seems a little hypocritical, right? And it's one thing for uh, a coach, and I can understand where a Sean McDermott would say, like, listen, this guy, he's, you know, he's working his way back. We've got to give him the reps. It's going to pop. I mean, it's, it's Von Miller, right? Like, I think we all remember how he played sure. last season. And you can just look at it and say, gosh, even if he's like 75% of that, you're still going to get something from him as he works his way back. Right. It just hasn't been happening. Right. Like, I mean, there, I mean, maybe you see like one pressure in a game and you're just like, Oh, Hey, Von Miller had a pressure. Like, all right. Like that's, that, that shouldn't be something to celebrate. So when I say I was pleasantly surprised and you wonder what goes into that, right. Was, were there veterans in the locker room that, you know, go to a head coach and just say like, Hey, I get what you're doing here, but this isn't working, right? Because I think sometimes when that happens too, does it take a veteran leader to come in and say, "Hey, what are we what are we doing here?" Right? Like this is this is not an experiment at at this point. 
So I was pleasantly surprised. Now, to your point, part of me says like, hey, once you've done this, then it makes it easier to do it again. Right. It's not like a uh, it, it's not like a seesaw going back and forth of active, inactive, active, inactive. You can you can keep him inactive moving forward. The, the butt part for me is right. You look at the Patriots and that's a team that you're probably expecting to be run heavy. So you mm-hmm. want to see more Shaq Lawson on the field, more Gregory Rousseau on the field. Right. Those guys that are more productive against the run. Now, when you're playing the Dolphins on Sunday in a team that, you know, certainly can be dangerous as a, a run team, right? If Raheem Mostert is back and Devin A. Chain and what what they can be, that's not taking anything away from their run game. But when you talk about the pass game that they have and like, is the Bills pass rush going to be more necessary? Do they look at it and say, oh, well, that was a, you know, a game script type of thing and and Vaughn will be back. But Sean McDermott hasn't really said that. So he, I mean, he's had the opportunity if he wanted to make an excuse for Von Miller, and he hasn't. So I am really curious what is going to take place on Sunday. If I had to take a wager, I would say that he will be inactive again. I, I feel the same. And it was a little bit, I think the surprising part was if you watch the press, first of all, last Wednesday, Von Miller spoke to the media for the first time since the arrest during the bye week. And also Eric Washington spoke, kind of talked up on Miller a little bit. He said that he had earned some leeway and that he also, uh, he cited one play specifically that allowed Puna Ford to make a play because of something that Vaughn Miller did. So I think those were kind of the elements that made it surprising for me. I think Byron injury, I think he's done for this year for sure. I think he should be. I've talked to some friends, some fans who cite last year with Troy White that you got to let the guy work his way back. I, I would I would argue that last year the Bills didn't really have other, other options better than Trey White, even yeah. though he was struggling and he wasn't, you know, he's a shell of himself. And we saw before the injury this year, well, Trey White is when he's healthy. Uh, the Bills had better options, I feel like, than this version anyway of Vaughn Miller and I don't like to accuse other players or human beings of dogging it out there, but I mean, you, you watch the games and don't look at times like he's just not even hustling. And I feel like that might have something to do with his benching. He's just, there's at least some plays. I must say in every play, but there's certainly some plays out there where it just looks like dude is dogging it. Yeah, it's, it could be right. I mean, I'm speculating so much with, with all of this to, to begin with. But it certainly could be. And you hope it's, again, one of those things where it's just like, listen, this is about having the best players on the field. And right now, he's not one of your best players. No, he's not even close either. You know who is one of their best players? Russell Douglas. What a trade that turned out to be for the Buffalo Bills. Tom Bucks and I talked about this. It's a sticky topic. It's, it's a touchy topic. But... If Trey White doesn't get hurt, the Bills don't trade for Rasul Douglas. And I am certainly not happy that Trey White got hurt. Let me be really clear about that. Trey White, is he, not only is he a great person, but he's also a great football player. And he was having a really strong start to the season. And Tone Pucks a couple of days ago made a very fair point too. Trey doesn't put up numbers like Rasul does in part because when Trey White's right, teams stay away from him. Like he can yeah. take away half of a football field. So he doesn't get a ton of interception opportunities. Although he did have one in the first month of the season. But bottom line, regardless of, you know, Trey getting hurt being the reason, what an incredible trade for, by Brandon Bean. You got to wonder where this football team, especially over the last couple of weeks, the way he's played against Chargers 
and uh, the Patriots on Sunday. Got to wonder where this football team would be right now were it not for Brandon Bean. Uh, I don't want to say fleecing the Packers, but whatever. It was, just, it was a great trade. And there's no way this guy's not back next year. $9 million. He's more likely to get an extension now, but what a pickup he's been. Huge. Yeah, I mean, great play from him. And as you go and you think back to it, it was just like, okay, you needed to make a trade at that time. You know, you give up a third round pick, which is no no small price, but you do get a fifth round pick in return. So that that to me is a little bit like, okay, like it's not to call it a pick swap because that usually the the rounds are a little bit closer. But Douglas has just done a great job um, on this defense, just making plays. And, you know, when we talk back to that lull during the season, right, you think of the bad losses to the Broncos and Patriots. And I say bad, right, in the way that like things finished, like Russell Douglas wasn't playing for the Bills at that time, or maybe the Broncos right. game, if I'm correct, was his first game, and you weren't even sure if he would be active. He was. I mean, ended up getting thrown in there a bit, but you know, wasn't wasn't a, a true part of the defense just yet. And now, you know, everyone had said when the trade took place from Green Bay, what a great leader he was, great locker room guy, like good player, and all those. And you see how he's fitting in with. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and the way he's talking about his teammates. So, you know, the post-game interviews with him, really the first time that we have heard from him since the trade took place. And just, uh, and again, you're catching a guy coming off a, a great game and a big win, but just a level of, of positivity that came across is very genuine. You can see why things are working. He's a fun player. You know, he reminds me of a little bit, Stefan's brother. Um, in Dallas, Trayvon Diggs. And what I mean by that is, you remember last year, Diggs had all those interceptions, but he also yeah. could get beat too. And yeah, I yeah. feel like Douglas is that kind of guy. Douglas is a gambler. He's a very sticky player. He will go for the ball. He will try to make the play. That might come at an expense of getting beat. Like Tyreek Hill can get behind him, but Russell Douglas can also hop a pass or two from Tua and intercept it and take it back to Dallas. He's, he's a fun type of player, man. I absolutely love him. Uh, two more guys I want to hit on real quick for the Bills. One of them, Ed Oliver. I know we talked about him last week. We talk about him every week. He's just been, you know, we argued this last week that he potentially has been the Bills, maybe the most consistently good player this entire season. That continued on Sunday. That interception that he had in the first drive of the game was just ridiculous. Out of deflection from Rasul Douglas. He also had a sack. His boy, Daquan Jones, is back. Who not just played. He didn't play, he didn't play sparingly either. He played like 52% of the snaps. You could just see it, man. Ed Oliver is having, I think the Pro Bowl voting is closed right now, maybe. I don't know. But if he's not on the Pro Bowl team, that, that, that's bullshit because this dude is a Pro Bowl player this year. He's been fantastic, and it just continued on Sunday. Yeah, no, he has been awesome. And it's, you know, it was interesting, too, like his earlier time with the Bills, right? Like there was some there were some question marks there. Like Absolutely. in the year when you had – Right, different defensive tackles drafted after him. You, you know, you mentioned a Christian Wilkins before. Um, whatever his face is, the guy with the New York Giants. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but like Dexter Lawrence. Sorry, that you know there have been productive guys there, and Ed Oliver was always like, yeah, he's good, but man, these guys seemed like they were better. He is now the player that, like, hey, when you invest a top ten pick. Yeah, this is this is what you hope that they will become. Not even expect them to become. This is what you hope they will become. And he is there and he is playing dominant football right now. I mean, he yeah. is dominating on the defensive line. And that is 
so necessary again i mean not to go back to the von miller piece but like you need that guy that can be a game wrecker and it's coming from your defensive tackle position now instead of a defensive end yeah you still have leonard floyd and gregory rousseau and aj epinesa who can do some really good things um but he is playing at a pro bowl level and maybe even an all pro level i mean we'll have to we'll have to see but ed oliver is uh has been better than advertised He's always been a splashy player. He he makes impacts at times. The issue is is the consistency and some disappearing acts. Hasn't been the case though this year. Like it's it this seems just like the year where he has literally, you know, just put it all together. And it's just it, it's just a lot of fun to watch him play football. This this defensive line, at least, that unit itself has just been uh borderline spectacular. And with Daquan back, especially too. The other guy I want to talk about is Stefan Diggs and I don't know, man, we're getting no point at where it's like, all right, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's been a lot of weeks where we're just, we're not getting it now. In fairness, you go back and you, you know, you watch that game. If Josh makes a good throw, there's a 91 yard touchdown pass out there for Stefan gets be, he beats Jonathan Jones. He scores. And we're probably not talking about any of this, but it didn't happen. Not Stefan's fault, but I mean, the snap counts down. The the numbers are down big. Are you concerned about that? Because now we're getting into it's the last game of the regular season, potentially the last game of the season for the Buffalo Bills territory. And another part <clears throat> that I want to throw out there, I, I know you, especially of all people, don't want to be thinking about the offseason and any of that shit right now. But got to say this. Let's just say worst case scenario, Anthony, the, the Bills lose on Sunday night. And Stefan Diggs has four catches for 30 yards and they get eliminated from the playoffs. If you think last offseason was bad with Stefan being unhappy, just imagine what it might look like this time around where he's won eight, nine games having these type of numbers at the end. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Maybe you're not. Well, let, let's put it this way. Am I a little concerned? Sure. Right. Because you expect things to bounce back. I mean, I think probably the game against the Eagles was the last one where you say like, you know, I think he went for six catches, 75 mm. yards, a touchdown that it was just like, okay, Steph looks like Steph. I, I do agree with you in these last two games though, there were two opportunities that he had for long touchdown passes. Cause there was also the one, the pass was intercepted against the chargers. And again, yep. if he had gotten behind the safety, yep. had his man beat. Like if the throw is there and again, Josh is rolling out to the right, like off balance, it's not even being critical, but like, hey, if the throw is there, if the throw is there against the Patriots, I mean, he has two bombs for touchdowns in these last two games, and we're not even having this conversation. So I'm not, I'm not, I mean, am I a little concerned, but I'm not worried. I'm not even worried about the offseason type of stuff because I think as you look at it too, there's a little bit with this that like, maybe he's playing a little bit hurt. Like he's taking some shots. He took one the other day, you know, and he kind of comes out of the game and you see him sort of like adjusting himself. Like, yeah, listen, that is going to snap. I'll suggest that. Yeah. And I do think to a extent, Steph is reasonable enough, right? Like it's not one of those, like you're not seeing outbursts on the sideline. You're not seeing him going back and forth with his hands up. Like I'm open on every play. Like everything that I see, he's being a, good teammate he's playing the game he's doing what he's supposed to whether it's some sort of load management because there's you know some injuries or just some wear and tear whatever it is i'm not seeing any of the demonstrative stuff now again it can happen at any time 
but I'm not I'm not worried about I'm not worried about Stefan Diggs right now and definitely not worried about in the offseason. Like and and again, hey, can we get one of those big plays that he's been close on these last two games? That kind of cures all, I think, in the the eyes of the uh the fans at least, and you know, probably many others. But you know, we Joe Marino, I think, was saying this, or maybe it was Jeremy White. They were talking with each other, Jeremy White from WGR. Like, okay, now in the press, McDermott, Brady, and Josh Allen have all come out and said, like, we need to do a better job of getting the ball to Stefan Diggs. So it's not one of those where it's just like, yeah, we're looking the other way. Oh, it was, you know, somebody else was open, this and that. So I'm going to be really curious to see what happens on Sunday. And when I say that, I don't mean like just forcing throws to him, like when they'll throw a little screen behind the line of scrimmage on the first play of the game just to get him going like no I'm talking about more you know maybe utilizing him in the slot across the middle like just getting seven eight nine yards here and there just to kind of get some things going but not these manufactured type of touches although I did like the running play that they did with him on uh on Sunday right kind of a, a different look a good run almost got to the end zone like I'm fine with that too. It adds a little wrinkle that maybe defenses haven't seen before that they've got to account for. I need to see from Joe Brady uh, an ability to scheme open, step on digs. I'm not out on Joe Brady. I'm not even down on Joe Brady, but he's your best player. He's your best offensive yeah. player. That's not your quarterback, I should say. This game is for all the marbles. Got to find a way to get him the football. You got to find a way to scheme him open. And by the way, it was probably two plays against New England where he was open deep and didn't get the ball. There was another one that was a low throw. Again, I'm not really putting stuff on Josh. She's under pressure, stuff like that. But there were some opportunities. I do think the snap count is indicative that he's maybe banged up and they're trying to save him, you know, less reps, but more action when he's out there. But yeah, man, I'm really putting this on Joe Brady, whether it's moving him around more, getting him in the slot, just getting him matched up in favorable positions because I feel like between this game or maybe potentially in the postseason, if you're if you got to play Miami again or you got to play Baltimore on the road, even Kansas City, you know, you need to get more from Stefan Diggs. I'm not sure that this team can win if you count Sunday four consecutive games to get to the Super Bowl if Stefan Diggs is only getting four or five catches for 40 to 50 yards. There's gonna come a point where he's gotta have that Stefan Diggs type game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I don't even think it has to be that Stefan Diggs type of game. I mean, listen, he can go seven receptions for 75 yards sure. and be the difference maker in a, yeah. in a game, right? Like, I trust me, I'm, I'm the same way with you. Hey, if he connects on that 88-yard bomb or whatever it is, like, well, then Steph's finishing with a, you know, a touchdown and 140 and anything like that. Like, it can just be almost that again, just that consistency, like 10 yards a clip and just scheme him open. Cause that's the other thing too. You talk about Joe Brady, like, and, and listen, I like what Joe Brady has brought to the the bills and what they've looked like since the change has made. But folks very early were like, Hey, just lift that interim tag right away. Like, all right, mm -hmm. let's just kind of slow down just a little bit. Let's, you know, for what we see as fans, I mean, listen, for any offensive coordinator, they probably need their own off season, right. Of, of being, the person and developing their own scheme and putting things together and what he would do different. So that's not saying that he shouldn't be the offensive coordinator. I'm just saying there's no need to rush it uh, at this time. Like let's get to the off season. And if he's the right guy, 
that's great, but it's just um let's let's get some let's get some more scheming to Stefan Diggs this week and then you know maybe I'll I'll feel a little different when we talk next week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm back with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumley's. Yeah, let's not get to the offseason for hopefully another at least three to five weeks minimum here. Uh, because it's just not going to be a fun conversation, especially if it's a, a premature one. I think it would be a very, God, I mean, it would be an incredibly frustrating season for fans, no matter what. But if this team somehow doesn't make the playoffs, Sean McDermott ain't getting fired. It's not happening. Randy Bean ain't getting fired. It's not happening. Maybe there'll be a conversation about the coordinators and stuff like that, but I just, I cannot get my mindset to even think about any of that right now, nor should we, because... Everything, again, is on the line. Well, maybe not everything. Certainly the number two seed's on the line. The AFC East is certainly on the line on Sunday night when the Bills play Miami. And I'll tell you what, they're playing a team right now, Miami, that is 11-5. and five. And to me, they're such an enigma because they just roll shitty teams and shitty quarterbacks. Kind of reminds me of what the Bills were doing a couple of years ago. If the Bills played a shitty team, a shitty quarterback, they absolutely rolled them. So Miami's doing that. But... They got walloped last week by Baltimore in a game that they needed to have to, to put away the Bills. They got beat 56 to 19. Uh, between the Bills and the Ravens, they've been outscoring in those two games 104 to 39. They also lost to Philly by two touchdowns. They lost to Kansas City by seven. Uh, they also lost to the Titans by a point. Their only real quality win this season was over Dallas, and that was only 22 20. And Dallas, quite frankly, should have won that game. I'm sure they're aware they're not being a good team. So I, I go into this game staying between the injuries, which we'll talk about in a second, and just the pressure that I feel like Miami has right now on themselves, losing to these teams, being at home, knowing that potentially, they or not potentially, if they lose this game, they're going to blow the division, uh, a lead that they've had since week four, all but one week for the entire season, they've been leading this AFC East. I kind of feel like, the, the pressure is on Miami right now as much as it is Buffalo. This isn't just all Buffalo. Miami's got a lot of pressure on them too to not blow this. I feel like the pressure though, it's it's uh, self-inflicted if they let it be. The Dolphins mm -hmm. are already in the playoffs. True. Right? So like, listen, do you want to win the AFC East? Of course. 
do you want to be the two seed? Absolutely, right? The opportunity to play at home, mm-hmm. not to have to travel, to be able to host at least two playoff games if you're in that scenario. And who knows how things play out after that. So, but they're in the playoffs, right? Yeah. If if the roles were reversed That's right true. now, I don't know. Would I just be a little more chill? Like, I mean, I've said all season, like, it's just get in the playoffs. Like, that's all that really. If matters. we take this, Anth, let me, let me, I'm sorry to cut you off, but let's just pretend for the sake of fun, we were taping this Saturday, eight o'clock. And let's just say uh, Pittsburgh lost to Baltimore, even though it's probably going to be mostly backups, but it's still going to happen. Baltimore could still beat the Steelers. If that were to happen and we were to do a show, live show Saturday night, would your mindset towards this game on Sunday? How much would it shift? Because you know the bills would be in. Yeah, I would be. I would be so relaxed because yeah. right now I am not expecting anything to go the Bills' way. I'm expecting Baltimore to lose, and I'm expecting Tennessee to lose. Just because there. you know, looking on paper at things, I mean, it's again. I'd still like to think that Baltimore is not going to go three weeks without playing a meaningful football game. Cause if you look back to last Sunday, then to this week, then to the bye week, then to sure. when they play, that's literally three weeks, which personally, like, again, if we were in that scenario, I don't think I would just be saying rest everyone for three weeks. I don't think I'd feel comfortable from a, you know, what do they call it? Uh, rest versus rust. Like where you come into to that type of play. Um, yeah. I, I, I just hope that one of those two games goes the way that we needed to, either Saturday that Steelers game or the Titans game earlier on Sunday. And then Sunday night can just be much more relaxed. Of course, I want to see the Bills win and get the two seed and play at home and not have to travel and go back to Miami and all of those types of pieces. But I still believe that if this team just gets into the playoffs, I still like their chances to win. Uh, Me me too. And I don't want to get off track talking Bills Miami here, but I I agree with you. I, I feel like the Bills sh- should have the mindset that they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to do it themselves. You shouldn't expect the help to come. But I do feel between Baltimore, you know, Huntley, even their backup quarterback, he's he's just as good or better as Mason Rudolph. They could they Baltimore can win that game. I know they're going to be missing a lot of key guys, but also Tennessee. Maybe they just maybe Will Levis plays. And maybe they want they want to end the season on a good note. Jacksonville's a disaster right now, too. So again, we'll see what happens. But I think you're right. You can expect that help. But anyway, back to Miami here. Um, pressure or not, one thing that's not debatable is the Bills are playing this team physically at the most opportune time. And I don't like to see players get injured. I hate it. You know, these guys, this is their livelihood. But if there's a, a base a fan base, an organization where you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from. It's Buffalo because of all the injuries that the Bills over the last couple of years have suffered. So you look at Miami right now, and Bradley Chubb tears his ACL last week, down 30 points with three minutes left in the game. I'll never understand. I, if that was Greg Rizzo or that was Terrell Bernard or a key Bills player and he's in the game down 30 with three minutes, can you imagine what it would be like in Buffalo with Sean McDermott? Oh, my God. Anyway, Bradley Chubb, Chubb, 11 sacks this year. He's been great. He tears his ACL at the end of the game. He's out. Jalen Phillips has already been out, so that's your top two pass rushers for Miami. You know, I have either of them. Xavier Howard's a very good corner. He hurt his foot. He ain't going to be playing this week. Jalen Waddle didn't play against Baltimore. He's a great wide receiver. Hill Waddle might, might be the best one-two wide receiver tandem in the NFL, but Jalen Waddle didn't play last week against Baltimore. 
indications are at this point, he's probably not going to play against Buffalo. He's got the high ankle sprain. Raheem Mostert's been hurt. So Miami physically is an absolute mess right now. They're an absolute mess right now, but go back one year ago when the Bills hosted the Dolphins in the playoffs and somebody named Skylar Thompson was starting at quarterback <laughs> and the Bills almost lost that game. Sure. And it goes to this piece, and I know you're probably like, you know, Ant, this has been your MO these past few weeks of just like, I don't care how big of a mess the Dolphins are right now. I am just like, this is this is a point where it's just like, there crazier things have happened oh. this season, right? I mean, you, this year, and I know, I guess you could probably say it every year, but like when you think to yourself and say, "Hey, anything can happen on any given Sunday," like this season encapsulates that yeah. In, yeah. in so many ways. So even if they're a mess, I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. They got too many good good players yeah. there. Even if it was like, oh, well, Jalen Waddles out. Well, they still got Tyreek Hill. Well, Tyreek Hill's out. Yeah, well. Raheem Mostert's run for like 25 touchdowns this year. Well, you know, two is still playing quarterback back there. It's just one of those things where you're just like, listen, anything can happen. I still like the Bills to win, not to get ahead of ourselves for, for Sunday's game. But it's just that piece where, listen, man, we've been doing this long enough. We you You've seen enough shit that's gone down that you just know that oh. you're not taking anything lightly. I am certainly not overconfident. I'll tell you that. I mean, the, this Bills team has not earned the right for fans to be overconfident because of how many ways, I mean, you know, even the games they've won, some ugly ass wins, man. The Patriots sure. game this week was not pretty. The Chargers game was not pretty. So as I like this team is firing on all cylinders. Oh, they kind of are on defense actually, but the offense is struggling. But yeah, sure. Miami is definitely decimated and it is going to hurt, man. No Bradley Chubb does hurt you. No Jalen Waddle, assuming he doesn't play, does hurt you. No Xavier Howard, it does hurt you. But this is a team that still has weapons galore. I mean, Tua, say what you want about him, and I know a lot of Bills fans love to hate on the guy. Um, he's thrown for 40, over 4,400 yards this year, 28 touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, I think, is the most dangerous player in the entire NFL. 112 catches this year, 1,717 yards, 15 yards a catch, 12 touchdowns. There's nobody in the game that's a, a bigger game changer and more explosive than Tyreek Hill and, and Devin A. Chain. Dude, that dude is. Scott, what, what, where's the stats here? Eight yards a carry, 93 carries for the season. He's averaging eight yards a carry. He's got 744 yards rushing this year on just 93 carries and seven touchdowns. You make a mistake on him and Terrell Bernard gets swallowed up in the hole. If he catches the edge and you miss a tackle, he's gone. It's a 75-yard touchdown. So they got weapons galore on offense, and their defense still don't suck. I mean, they're strong up the middle. I hate Christian Wilkins, but he's a good player. Zach Seiler is a very good player. Jalen Ramsey's a good corner. Jevin Holland is a good safety. Uh, Long's a pretty good linebacker. So, yeah, to your point, this ain't, this ain't no bummy team. I don't yeah. care. You know, injuries or not, they're not playing the Patriots this week. Well, and the thing with the Bills these past two weeks, especially, the offense is sputtered out of the gate. That sure. can't happen against a team like Miami, right? Hey, if it happens against the Chargers and the uh, Patriots, okay, they don't have the firepower, maybe. You can overcome that if if necessary. Different with the Dolphins, right? You don't want to find yourself down 10 nothing, 14 nothing type mm -hmm. of piece with a team that, hey, once they start to get a little bit of momentum, they can do some things. And, and I, you know, to your point, right? Like, oh, everyone's supposed to, to hate on Tua Tagovailoa. 
I do not, man. And it, whether he's with the Dolphins or not, there's plenty of Dolphins that I hate and I do not like. I have a ton of respect for him as a quarterback for everything that he went through last season. Sure. With those injuries and becoming a in a weird way a punchline to some people, which is kind of classless. Inconsiderate and gross in its own way, right? Sure. You you go through with it, it's like he's a good quarterback. He's a good dude. He's a you know yeah, what I mean? Like he's likable. He's having he's having success. I hope that they sack him 10 times on on Sunday. But this isn't one of those that you look at this guy and you're just like, oh my gosh, I you know he's not Aaron Rodgers, not a piece yeah, of no, he is he is a he's a classy guy, man. Like sure. he's and he's a good quarterback. And it's he just is. like you know, earlier in his career when he had struggles, it's like, yeah, sure, I wanted to see him struggle, right? Like, I didn't want to see the Dolphins get a franchise quarterback or anything like that. But, you know, by by all stretch, he's, uh, you know, I hope he plays horribly on on Sunday. But <laughs> but he's 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 going to be a problem for, for a while and help to kind of make the AFC East exciting between these two teams again. Sure. I got three keys to the game that I want to go over with you. First one makes me feel a little bit hypocritical because we just spent so much time talking about an urgent need to get Stefan Diggs and have a Stefan Diggs type game, whether it's seven for 75, like you said, whether it's three for 120, whatever it may be. But in my notes, I got, I said three words, Shakir, Kincaid and Knox, which I was like, what did I really just write down Dawson Knox? Yes, I did. Because I saw a stat and I'm not a, a metrics guy. And I know you're not either. I mean, we we love we see the stats, we respect them, but you know, we don't really deep dive into analytical parts of football. Um, Josh Allen is dead last among starting quarterbacks in the NFL in DVOA and throwing the football to the middle of the field. He excels on both sides of the field, but the Bills have been for them terrible throwing the ball in the middle of the field. So I and that needs to change. I mean, I, I need to see success in the middle of the football field where Josh hasn't been good. Um I really, you know, I look at Sunday's game and one of my biggest takeaways was Khalil Shakir could have had himself a big day. Again, Josh just didn't have it on Sunday. It happens. I, I feel really confident in him. We'll get to that in a minute against Miami. But Shakir could have had a touchdown. He could have had a long play and Josh just didn't see him. But anyway, Shakir working in the middle of the field, Kincaid and Knox working in the middle of the field, and maybe even, you know, getting some motion and digs working in the middle of the field. I want the Bills need to have some success on the middle of the field. Miami, Vic Vangio's not, stupid. I feel like he's going to try to take away some of the sidelines. So I think there's going to be plays there for the bills in the middle. So I think that's a key. No. And I think, especially when you talk about Kincaid, I mean, he was a difference maker on Sunday, sure. right? When you think of the the passing game and the 50 yard reception that, that he has and just what he can be. And, you, you know, he went through a little bit of a lull, right? Like I don't even really count the Cowboys game, but he did have a couple drops there. And then, you know, last week against the chargers. So he's it was good to see him back and when you talk about attacking the middle of the field and what he can be like yeah this is what you drafted him for right it's sure. week 18 like you're not a rookie anymore he's got to make some big plays and that's got to come about and you know digs or no digs whatever he looks like Dalton Kincaid makes your team better and that's nothing against Dawson Knox it's nothing against Khalil Shakir just for me that's the one that can really kind of break the game open for them on Sunday. Sure. Uh, another one, and, you know, I just talked about Tyreek Hill and a chain and just how dangerous and lethal they are. And I know Miami's going to try. They're thinking the same thing with the Bills. But defensively, bend but don't break. Don't let these guys get behind you. Make Tua go 80 yards methodically down the field to score. 
Don't give up the 60, 70 yard play because you're getting overly aggressive. This team's got speed, speed kills. I'm talking about Miami here. So kind of like that bender don't break. Miami's going to move the football. They're too good to not move the football. I don't give a shit if Jalen Waddles or Mostert are playing or not. They're still going to move the football. But just like they did against the Chargers, where the Chargers moved the ball, but then the Bills defense were locked down and they held them the field goals. I, I kind of feel like and more on this in a second about it being a close game. But yeah, I do, do think this is going to be a relatively close game. So for the defense, it's, it's okay to give up some yards, some first downs. But when you get inside that 40-yard line, it's you know it's time to tighten up and and hold into some field goals and don't let guys like Hill and a chain get behind you because they'll beat you. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I hate when we say bend but don't break, right? Because it makes me think of like, you know, that soft zone that the Bills will play so many times. Like, oh, sure. yeah, you know, we gave up the eight-yard reception and then we we tackled the guy. Like, great, you got the eight yards. It's like, well, yeah, those eight yards, they all add up pretty uh pretty quickly but i do agree right you don't you don't want anything where someone can break the game open kind of as it ties to that piece with the defense like you know two is going to try to get the ball out quickly right it might be less about sacking the quarterback and it might be more like hey guys like gregory rousseau shaq lawson get mm-hmm. your arms up in the air bat some of those passes get some deflections you know who knows what can happen lead to an interception that always seems to be a, a bit of the difference in scenarios like this. And, and to me, I can see that being part of the difference for the defense on a Sunday. You know why? You kind of just talked me off one of my key points of the game, man. I think you're right, though. No, I think you're right. You know what? Tua is as good as he can be. He is also mistake prone, just like Josh Allen can be at times, too. And yeah, getting pressure on him, making him get rid of the ball even quicker than he wants, deflecting a ball or two. Maybe getting a turnover or two would offset, you know, the ability that Miami does have on uh, offense. That's a really good point, Ed. Uh, Last one for me. You know, I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it could be, and I think it will be a close game. Special teams can't suck. I think that could matter. I mean, the coverage that the start of the game on Sunday, that was just disgusting. Uh, going all the way back to week one, the punt return for a touchdown. Coverage has been shitty. Uh, special teams just as a unit, minus Sam Martin, who was fantastic on Sunday, but minus him, special teams has just been, it's, it's, it was bad on Sunday. It's been an issue for most this season. I'm concerned that I can, can you imagine the Bills' season ending on a kickoff return or a punt return or a punt block or, a, you know, a chip shot missed field goal by Tyler Bass special teams scares the shit out of me. And one last point here, Deontay Hardy's given the Bills basically nothing this season. Maybe this will finally be the week. Just a little gut feeling here where Deontay Hardy, maybe he doesn't score a touchdown, but he busts a 35, 40 yard punt return or something that sets the bills up for a, a big score. Bottom line, I think it's going to be a close game and special teams cannot suck. And they've been pretty shitty this year. Yeah. It's tough when you just see one breakdown, right. And to start the game like that on Sunday, Ugh. you're just thinking to yourself like, gosh, what, what just happened? here right and it's kind of to that point too i personally am just like just kick the ball through the end zone every time on kick yes like you know i I get what you're trying to do to like you know force them to make a decision at the two yard line and maybe they only run it back to the 19 and they're six yards further back than than they should have been and again this is the part maybe somebody that knows what they're talking about would be like well hey that six yards makes a difference when you're talking about field goal opportunities and this and i i totally get that part but you know what else is nice when you just kick the ball through the end zone and it's like okay 
they start at the 25. Nobody's getting a penalty. Nobody's getting hurt. Nobody's trying to make a tackle. It's just like they'll start at the 25-yard line and let's just get them off the field three and out and let's go. But Couldn't agree more. Not only that, I'll take it a step further. So, yeah, I would kick the ball out of the end zone. And if I'm the Bills, if the ball hits the end zone, I'm not running it out. And if you catch it before the, the goal line, call a fair catch. Take the ball to 25. To me, totally. there is a much bigger chance that Ty Johnson or Shakir, that one of those guys are either A, going to get tackled before the 25, B, there's going to be a holding penalty on Siron Neal or Reggie Gilliam, which is almost a lock every damn week, or even worst case, see a fumble or something like that. The opportunities for that are far more greater than Ty Johnson running one back for a touchdown or even getting beyond the 25. So let's just take the kicking game completely out of play here on both sides. All right, let's get to a, uh, I mean, I know where neither of us are going to pick against the bills I and mean, that's just not going to happen. Um, but to make it official, put our stamp on it scores, which I am not even, I'm going to be doing this in real time. I never thought of a score to be honest with you. I'm about to right now, but we'll start with you, man. Give me your prediction for this game. I'll go 27, 23 bills. It'll be a close game. It'll go back and forth. Um, I can see the offenses both getting off to a decent start, and then the defense is kind of settling in just a uh, just a bit. But for that, yeah, I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-three. Twenty-seven, twenty-three. You say who? So we're going to be sweating it. I'm going to go. I'm going to give a kind of a semi-weird score here. Twenty-nine, twenty. Twenty-nine, twenty. Bills win. Two scores. Let's. Who's going to be? Give me. I don't want to give me a hero of the game. That's not Josh Allen, because that would just be too easy of an answer. Who's going to be the hero of this game when we talk next week, hopefully about a playoff game coming up here, hopefully a, a playoff game in Orchard Park. Give me one or two guys that you look and you're, you're visiting this game in your mind right now. And you're saying this, they were a hero. They were a standout. Unsung hero, hero, whatever the hell you want to call it. Give me two guys. Sure. On offense, Dalton Kincaid, no surprise. Just mentioned him before. When we talk on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm going to go with Gregory Russo. I think those that wingspan that he has, knocking down some passes, I could even see him you know, batting a pass and falling down into his arms and him getting a big interception for the Bills. So. You know, I mean, two guys that it's it not like completely unsung type of heroes when you're talking about this, but those are the two that uh, that come to mind. Okay, I'm going to give you one on each side of the ball as well, since you did the same. Um, and again, no Josh Allen defense. I'm just uh, I'm manifesting this mentally right now. Defensively, Jarrell Bernard's going to have. I see an interception, an athletic interception, sometime in the second or third quarter, that's going to be a big swing play for the game. I'm laughing in my mind as I'm saying it, but and no, it really could happen. I mean, this dude is a playmaker. So defensively, Jarrell Bernard is going to make a big play. Offensively, I'm laughing because I can't believe I'm bringing myself to say this, but I'm going to say it because I feel it in my heart. Dawson Knox is going to have a significant role in this game. And God, the potential for me looking really dumb with this take right now is sky high, but I'm going to say it. Dawson Knox is going to have both a touchdown reception, a short one, but a uh, one where he catches it in traffic. I feel that in my bones. He's going to have a contested catch in the end zone for a touchdown, and he's also going to have a very big play during this game. Might not be for a touchdown, 
but it's going to be like a chain mover, a big third down conversion or something. Dawson Knox is going to have a significant role in this Bills victory. That's that's uh, that's kind of like bold prediction territory, too. You got really specific there, so that that makes it even I'm more bold. But I'm I'm smiling from the beginning though because of uh you know your your journey this season with Terrell Bernard and where things are today, and it's easy to point to you. I mean, to everyone, right? Of just like the guy misses all of training camp, and now it's like, gosh, we're talking about him in the same sort of breath and passion as we do, like a Matt Milano type, right? I mean, this guy has been a playmaker this season and what an integral part of the bills defense um, not to get, you know, looking forward to next year. Cause that's, we got hopefully a lot of more football sure. before then to talk about, but just like gotta for what Terrell Bernard has become now and a healthy Matt Milano coming back. Oof, that I, I've had a lot of dumb takes, but <laughs> my take on Terrell Bernard before the season started might've been my worst. Certainly among the top five for sure. I, I thought it was garbage and I thought it was laughable that the bills had an entire off season, all these veteran names out there. And that week one of the football season, the best they could do was Terrell Bernard. I thought that was laughable and a joke and the jokes on me because the guy looks like a, a, he looks like a borderline star right now. And you do get a healthy Matt Milano back next year with a more seasoned Terrell Bernard. Are you kidding me? That might be one of the best linebacking tandems in the NFL next year. You know, it's so interesting when we think and like, you know, we'll all get critical at times, fans getting upset at Brandon Bean earlier for his, what would it have been, the 2022 NFL draft, right? Kair Elam in the first round, things obviously don't work out there, you know, before this season. Well, now you talk about James Cook probably be a pro bowler. Mm -hmm. You look at Terrell Bernard and you can say like, Maybe he could even be a pro bowler. He probably won't get it right based on this. But if you just look at him kind of in that same breath that Solid Matt Milano start. was right earlier in his career and kind of earning that, Christian Benford being a rock-solid starter the entire season, it's just like, listen, forget the Kyrie Elam pick. I realize it's easy to, you know, to say that. But just like here are three bona fide starters that are just a foundation for what your team is. like. You know, sometimes we overreact to these drafts yeah. early on. Here, here we are, like in season two. These guys are playing studly football. And you could argue that Khalil Shakir could be on that list too. I mean, he is the team slot receiver, and he's done some really good things. And his future very well could be bright for the Buffalo Bills, especially if they go out and get themselves a, a legitimate. I want to say legitimate because I'm that makes me sound like Gabe Davis sucks. I'm not so I'm not saying. Let's just say that they get themselves a different wide receiver too in the offseason, which again, we'll talk about during the offseason. Uh, I want to wrap this up. On the way out, though, I, I do want to make sure because like again, one more time, um, Thursday night, I don't want to say tomorrow night, Thursday night, live from Imperial, Matt Perino is going to be joining me 7.30 p.m. If you're in the area, 10.35 Abbott Road, South Buffalo, uh, make sure you stop out, say hello to us. If you can't, uh, catch it live on YouTube at 7.30, of course, Friday morning, the audio will be out in podcast form. Uh, 699 episodes, man. I just I, I want to just want to say thanks to you to because you've been, you've been a regular on this show now all pretty much most of 2023, hopefully going forward. Um just to, uh, obviously to everybody who watches and, and, and listens. I want I do want to thank Imperial Pizza. They kind of become my home base for uh 
for all the live shows. They, they spot their sponsor on the show. Appreciate them very much. Love Imperial Pizza. Um, just a little, the growth of this show. And, you know, and I started doing this daily now, weekdays in September. And I remember talking to you a handful of times, you know, I'll be candid. I was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this every day. It's a lot. And it is. It's a lot. It's a grind. But it's also fun. And I mean, a little burned out at times. But I think it's been worth it. I, I'm definitely enjoying it. Uh, Blue Wire has been great as the, the podcasting platform that I belong to. Just having people on, friends, old friends, new friends. Um, just a lot of fun. And I don't know. I just, I guess I get a little reflective here sitting on 699 episodes. Because I remember being bored in Florida late 2017 deciding, ah, you know, maybe my best connection to 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 Buffalo living in Florida would be to to start a podcast. And I know now today there's a million people who have a podcast, but it wasn't really at the time. And it was only audio. And I had no podcasting experience. I didn't know shit about podcasting. Just had a lot of research, a lot of videos and, and stuff like that. Oh, it's just been a it's been a fun ride, man. I'm glad no, you're proud it of is, it. Honestly, kudos to you. You should be you should be incredibly proud of that. I mean 699 episodes I mean, people see it all the time. There are podcasts that pop up because people think they're immediately going to have an audience and this is just something sure. easy to do. Uh, it is not. It is not easy to to create this and to create what you have and to think 699 episodes, um, that's a lot. Like, it, you know, for those of you listening at home, Pat doesn't just like turn on the camera and the microphone and start <laughs> talking. Like that's that's not what what goes into this. So Cheers to you, and I'm I'm happy for you. I'm proud to be part of the ride and look forward to the next 699. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I look forward to talking to you next week. And again, it better be us previewing a uh, a playoff game. I just can't get myself to, to fathom the possibility, albeit realistic, that this is the last game of the season for the Buffalo Bills. Anyway, hopefully it won't be. I want to thank Anthony one more time. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Anthmarino. And like I said, tomorrow night live or tonight, depending on when you're catching this episode, live from Imperial Pizza, Matt Marino. Talk to you then.